Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Proximo's 20 Minutes with Podcast. If this is your first time listening, Proximo is the leading source of intelligence and events for the project, energy, and infrastructure finance market. This podcast is our attempt to keep an interview with an important and interesting figure in our market to under 20 minutes in length and maybe learn something along the way. I am Tom Nelthorpe, uh, the editor-at-large here at Proximo, and I'm very glad you could join us at this time. What's been keeping us busy this summer? Uh, well, it's all been about the data. We're cooking up some really interesting and powerful new applications for Proximo's deal data, and we should be in a position to update you about those shortly. And we recently released our rebooted Proximo Project Finance Industry Report. It includes some questions about market sentiment, uh, and some of our answers will surprise you, even if they're in line with your experience. But we've also gathered details of what clients and peers think about the leading banks and law firms. We decided in the end on balance against publishing all of the scores and are instead sharing uh, each bank's scores with them alone. If you want to know how your institution did, then please do drop us a line. You can email us at team at proximoinfo.com, or you can find our page on LinkedIn and contact us through that. Um, but I'd like to introduce today's guest. He's Fernando Zuniga, uh, the Managing Director for Latin America and Caribbean at MPC Energy Solutions. MPC is a developer with a particular focus on Latin America and the Caribbean. It's listed in Oslo and Amsterdam and managed and controlled by MPC Capital, a Germany-based asset manager. Fernando's responsibility is business development for Latin America and Caribbean at MPC Energy Solutions, um, but he's had a particular focus on Central America and the Caribbean at MPC Capital. Uh, he's also worked in development at Grupo Ecos and Suntrace. Welcome, Fernando. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Tom. Happy to be here today. Um, so I'm particularly happy to welcome Fernando because this episode is going to have a particular focus uh, on Central America. Um, with Mexico, which has anchored a lot of developers' strategies in the region, now offering pretty slim pickings for reasons we probably don't need to um, go, on, go on about in detail, its smaller neighbors might be in a position to attract more interest than before. There are obviously still immense challenges to operating in those countries. They're smaller, many are politically and sometimes economically unstable. And commercial banks generally have limited operations in most of them. So we're going to look at both the potential and the challenges over the next 20 minutes. Um, so, so Fernando, start us off. Introduce us to MPC um, and maybe its, its track record over the last maybe two or three years in, in Central America. What, what, what have you been up to? Sure, Tom. Well, just briefly, um, MPC, as you clearly mentioned, is an investment and a developer of renewable energy projects. We've been active in the emerging markets over 14, 15 years. And on the last years, we've been focusing in Central America and the Caribbean because we see that as a niche market uh, with a lot of opportunities, uh, which uh, normally bigger investors try to focus on, on small and, and bigger uh, countries. And normally they take uh, Central America and the Caribbean as, a, as another geography with more challenging situations. Uh, but it's exactly what MPC is, a boutique investor, that we are able to manage those kind of risks because we understand the region. We've been there for, for many years now. And that is exactly what MPC is doing, uh, identifying those opportunities on the renewable energy space, uh, develop them, build them and, and operate them for the long term. So this is on a very short basis. Within MPC, I'm the responsible of the business development origination. I've been active in this region already from, from, from many years. Uh, while each country is very different from each other, at least they share uh, many uh, similar or particularities in terms of uh, geography. 
However, um, yeah, we understand this region quite well now. And, uh, and yes, we are taking advantage or, or taking the opportunity to, to, to outsource to all of these uh, uh, projects. Are there any sort of particular highlights in terms of development activity in, in the region for, for MPC, either particular projects or particular countries over the, over the last three years? Sure. I mean, actually, we, we started in the region in, in Jamaica. In the, in the very beginning, we were one of the first uh, international investors to, to actively look into these markets back in 2016 when the first energy auction took place in, in Jamaica. Uh, we were successful through one of the MPC companies and we, uh, we developed successfully and built and now it's an operation, uh, a 51 megawatt solar PV in Jamaica. It's the Paradise Park project. That's, one of the, that, that's owned by one of the MPC companies together with other investors. And after that, that was our seed asset for the region. After that, we start to look actively uh, Panama, Costa Rica with wind farms, with uh, they have an amazing uh, wind resource potential. And I, I would say one of the of the best uh, wind resources in, in whole Latin America is located in, in, in Costa Rica. Uh, within MPC Energy Solutions, we started also with Puerto Rico on, on the CHP space uh, with the combined heat and power energy projects in order to deliver electricity to uh, private off-takers. Uh, pharmaceuticals uh, are, are the target companies that we are seeing as a great customers. Also, uh, we've been active in um, uh, Colombia. And Colombia, uh, as you might know, in over the last years, there has been a, a boom in the region. The energy market opened. Uh, we were able to, to start developing our own projects already five, six years ago. And we start to see the realization of many of them, uh, including MPCs, and two now under operation, soon to start operations in the in the following months. Uh, besides that, in Guatemala, we start actively also last year uh, uh, with the development of a solar plant. Uh, we were able to negotiate uh, privately a PPA with uh, one of the largest sugarcane companies in the in the country. And, uh, and also actively, we're starting to develop projects in Panama. We have our one of our head offices in, from MPCs located in Panama, as it's a, a hub from, for the region. So uh, we know that the market is very stable. Uh, there's all the political environment in place. So it makes also much easier and efficient for us to, to develop our projects. And the, the Dominican Republic is also a great market that we've been focusing uh, uh, lately. And, uh, and other smaller islands in the Caribbean, such as Barbados, St. Kitts and Nevis, um, um, and yes, most of the Eastern Caribbean countries. And, and yes, I mean, this has been the track record from MPC uh, actively uh, over the last six years, more or less, I would say. Thanks. And then so the, you've given us a little bit of the, the investment case, I think, for <laughs> some of these geographies. Given what you said, do you, do you think that that the the region, and I'm talking more about Central America, I think in the Caribbean than the sort of the wider Latin America, but but given what you've said, do you think renewables have made the the the, the progress that they should have done in penetrating these these power markets? I would definitely say yes, because we've seen how this market has been developed over the last seven eight years. Uh, one interesting fact to say that, for example, Honduras within the Central America was one of the first, even before uh, the larger markets such as Brazil, 
uh, Chile on an active way. So most of these countries in the region started uh, the, the trend on renewables by introducing the, the famous feed-in tariff schemes, what we saw in Europe back in 15 years ago. And they have evolution. I mean, they have evolved now into competitive pro- processes. Uh, what does this mean? It means that the market have uh, established and there's already competition in place, meaning that energy prices are now really competing. I mean, renewable energy uh, uh, projects are really competing to conventional sources. And that's normally the aim of all renewables, that they don't, there's no need of extra fiscal incentives or extra incentive uh, in order to be competitive, but they just are being now competitive by themselves. And we've seen all these trends. You'll see now Guatemala, introducing again for uh, energy auctions and competing one-on-one with hydro, with conventional sources. Jamaica is also planning to to launch for the third time an energy auction by the end of this year. Uh, you'll see Panama as well. Uh, you'll see Colombia that I just mentioned you that also, I mean, we're seeing how these markets are being evolving from a feeding tariff scheme to a competitive bidding process. And that's exactly how the market has been developed. Okay, and one one sort of follow up I'd like to do is is the the role of private off takers. We've seen in some markets, um, corporates or or should we say non state owned utility off takers become quite important. Are they a major factor in what's going on in in Central America and the Caribbean, or, or is it still very much auction based with a, a a grid operator or grid with a with a, a distribution company, how's that? How's that evolving? That's a very interesting, Tom. But actually, and actually, that's why it's very important to mention the the experience of MPC being or consider as a local player, because as you clear, as you already mentioned, those all these markets started with competitive process, government uh, launch, and this means that uh, since normally those processes gives more security to the to the to the investors. Uh, there's also means that there's more competition from from uh, many uh, developers. So now, uh, since those that competition is becoming even more and more and difficult, it is very important also to launch in parallel the offtake the private offtaker uh, environment because there's a huge potential out there. There's many many companies that they want to not only in order to to meet internal green targets, but also because they want to have a, a a cheaper alternative from what they're currently paying, and 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 we're seeing now a mix of both options. I mean, you you see the government uh, uh, auctions, but also you see the private ones. MPC has been able to to diversify in, in the type of uptakers that we currently have in our portfolio, and as a clear example is now our Guatemalan uh, Guatemalan project, which is under development. We were able to negotiate on a one by one basis with a private off-taker. Uh, it is very important to understand the local mar- the local market and also the, the local off-taker to see what is the bankability, the history, their track record. Also, it's important to educate, educate them how this process works. And that is why it's very important that all these developers and ultimately the investors are or feel familiar with the with the off- with the environment so that they're able to take this decision to Jump into the uh, private off-taker markets. Okay, and, and are you and uh, are you generally um, still in the business of displacing fuel oil or, or diesel-fired generation, or are you increasingly sort of just meeting 
incremental growth. Uh, and I guess talking about competition, are you increasingly competing with, you know, rooftop solar and sort of small scale distributed solar as maybe a larger developer? Um, what, what are the alternatives that people have to, to, to what you're, you're developing? Sure. Um, yeah, and this is also very important to, to mention as a key message, and not only for the region in Central America and the Caribbean, but for the whole industry. Uh, it's the, the introduction of energy storage in order to, again, be competitive and not only price-wise, but also in the terms of delivering electricity as, a, as, as close as possible as a conven- conventional source. Uh, MPC is also uh, looking into the, the this space because we know and we are I mean, we know that not only because of the energy needs, but now it's been becoming a, a requirement from many of the governments that are launching auction processes uh, to deliver a more stable source of electricity, meaning the, in the integration of either energy storage or hybridization with other sources of energy, such as natural gas or hydropower plants. We sat that uh, just recently, a month ago, through the last auction in Guatemala, uh, the introduction of mixed projects, I mean, hybrid projects. And that's the way uh, we or all the players are now becoming uh, uh, competitive and successful in order to, to, to secure these offtakes. So we're still in an early stage, I would say, from the industry in the terms of technology. Still, there's a lot of potential to optimize in terms of technology and in terms of uh, uh, financial. So that is still an option for us as an investors. We know that the batteries are still uh, uh, on, a, on the higher end of pricing. What we saw PV panels back 20, 15 years ago, we've seen that trend going down. So we are very sure that that same trend will happen to batteries. So that you can also be competitive, either even either in the distributed generation rooftops, but also on the utility utility scale. Okay, and and let's talk briefly about the challenges here. Are those primarily getting financing? Is it primarily regulatory? Are there political risks? Uh, what are the things that, that that generally you know keep you up at night as a as a developer? <laughs> yes, uh, I would say the first thing is. Uh, timing you know we developers want to have a, a, an aggressive timeline on based on expectations from other yeah uh, experiences on other more mature mar- markets so i would say first of all the timing expectation should be very very clear since the beginning not to not to because you normally depend on all these processes from the governments and and as they're learning when they're introducing all these permitting processes specific for renewables, there are still many open questions that that, uh, that the government or the institutions itself, they are not familiar with. So this this is always the first challenge in meet, meet the, the timeline that normally the investor or the developer has. Then after that, I, I would say the, the some of the, I mean, bureaucratic, of course, but I think that happens in all the markets. And in terms of other types of uh, challenges, I would say more from the natural perspective. I mean, from the weather perspective, uh, you have the Caribbean uh, very much exposed to, to uh, yeah, hurricanes and tropical storms that normally maybe other areas are not so prone to. Uh, but the way we see this or try to minimize all these uh, effects is that still within, let's put an example, in Jamaica or the Dominican Republic, there's historical information showing 
more or less worse the zones where the, the, the normally tropical storms passes more often. And we try to, first of all, minimize by selecting a place where it's very well located, not uh, prone to floodings. And then also it's very important to know the, the risk in terms of insurance. So that's important to have since the beginning, all these discussions with the potential insurance providers. And then you have in other places, such as in Colombia, on the security issue. So we try always to avoid uh, conflict areas, uh, try to focus more in places where we can make a, a higher impact socially. Uh, I can also say that we've been uh, successful in El Salvador, uh, where normally has been known as a place that potentially there might be some um, uh, conflicts. However, uh, since the beginning, it's very important to introduce yourself, uh, explain exactly to the community what are you planning to do so that they are feel involved and part of the project since day one. And following all these uh, uh, steps, uh, normally you won't get any type of problems. And uh, But yes, I mean, so far, I would say those are the main challenges from the developing perspective. Thanks, Fernando. And, and probably 20 years ago, it, it was for, sort of felt that the ideal solution to increasing power capacity, in, in, in particularly in Central America, was going to be to build a very large LNG-fueled sort of combined cycle gas-fired plant and rely on increased interconnection in the region and there you know there was a, a developer i guess who, who can remain nameless who was looking at that for a long time is that still um a, a a useful um ambition basically to sort of connect up a lot of these central american countries and get them fed you know with with power centrally or has renewables slightly made that issue go away so do we still need to look at interconnection between these various countries or is smaller scale scale renewables really making that less of an issue no yes i mean uh the the introduction of the natural gas i mean this is something that is still uh, that's one of the disadvantages of renewables as we know those, those are intermittent energy sources so we can not rely entirely on the renewable i mean speaking on solar and wind specific without the the, the mixing with other type of technology so that all these ambitious plans, for example, in Panama, I think maybe you might be referring to Panama or the Dominican Republic, where they've been uh, quite bullish on the introduction of very big uh, natural gas power plants. Uh, they're, they're being implemented, but also they understand the need on not only relying on this a source of energy natural but they are integrating actively and promoting the renewable energy space because they know well at the end of the day yeah the, there's still some it is not a pure green energy source the, depending who you ask of course uh, natural gas but um but still they know and and they they understand the need of the renewable energy part of and but then then we have this challenge, and I also forgot to mention as one of the main challenges interconnection interconnection is indeed I, I would say one of the main challenges in the, in the whole region, because you might have uh, an excellent project, an excellent location, all the permits, but at the end, many of the bottlenecks are, are, are on the interconnection. And normally those interconnection substation are depending on the government, on their integration plans, in their expansion plans. So there should be a kind of a parallel approach on, on, on the integration in order to make it so successful. Uh, there's still a lot of potential in the interconnection for the whole Central American countries. There's already, well, an interconnected line, the, the CFAC. And, but still, I, I guess we have not 
uh, fully uh, took that uh, opportunity because we still know all these differences. For example, El Salvador was normally or historically an importer of electricity. Now for the first year, they have be become an exporter uh, from to Guatemala and Guatemala in the past was uh, an exporter. But now you're, you're seeing that through the CEPAC, you're seeing now the, the, the well, the, the success of the line, right? But I still believe that there's still a lot more to, to, to take an opportunity on this interconnection. And we need to work together with the government in order to make sure there's a still, yeah, uh, substations. Thanks, Fernando. And we're, we're um, terrifyingly slightly above 20 minutes already, but there's one big area we need to look at, uh, and that is debt markets. What's available and, and who it's from. Um, are you essentially at the mercy of DFIs for what you're um, what you're developing, or do you find that for the right project in the right market? And again, we're talking about Central America and Latin America, Central America and the Caribbean. Um, for the right project in the right market, is there a commercial bank offer? No, that, I mean I, this has changed, and I, we've seen that change uh, with our own eyes at MPC. We started back six years ago. And indeed, normally the only access to financing was through the DFIs, for example, in Jamaica, uh, in Guatemala, in El Salvador. But now, uh, and by experience, I can say we've been now uh, receive offers or uh, well, uh, intentions to finance or already finance projects from local commercial banks. They are now feel they now feel very comfortable with the, the type of technology, the type of projects. And I'm speaking also on a non-recourse basis, not, not on a corporate basis, but on a non-recourse basis. In El Salvador, we have a great experience working with the, with the commercial banks. We even have uh, financed three projects uh, with local commercial banks from El, from El Salvador. Uh, we're seeing the same in Guatemala. Uh, the commercial banks are becoming even more competitive than DFIs, and the DFIs are still obviously interested in the market uh, but no I, I can tell you definitely that the change has been uh, has happened and we can see all these local banks being feeling more and more comfortable and NPC has already experienced working for both and and it has been uh, amazing to see that change and, and so it's available um, and and this would be a, a an issue right now whether you're working in Central America or or, or, or the US is the debt that, that's an offer affordable and, and sort of viable for your, for your project. <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah, that, that's now the story. Well, that is what is happening right now. Uh, we are aware of the, of the situation and yeah, it is, it is not only affecting Central America, but uh, I think it is affecting the, the whole industry well, or, or the whole uh, world. Uh, with, and within MPC, what we're doing is we're being careful in assessing project by project. If it makes sense to finance on a full equity basis, wait and then refinance when once the market stabilizes again we're mixing on on the other hand we also are trying to to receive more flexible conditions that so that we are able to refinance maybe in two or three years but it's indeed affecting uh the current uh yeah interest rate environment which we all know that is very very high uh, from yeah I, I would say one one of the highest moments in in, in the renewable energy space uh, however, on the other hand, we're also seeing increasing electricity prices. I mean, the if effect of inflation uh, has also affected energy prices, which means that now PPAs or, or current uh, yeah, PPAs that are, very, are being negotiated are higher than what we were seeing 
two, three years ago when there was a lot of competition, everything was uh, everything was cheaper in terms of the technology, but now everything has adjusted. The adjustment is not one on a one basis, still uh, sponsors, investors, where we are trying to see how we can be creative on the future, how we can optimize OPEX, how we can optimize yeah, financing. So yeah, that's the way MPC is dealing, but we're seeing, I mean, we see this as an opportunity to be creative and innovate, in not only technology-wise, but financing-wise as well. Thanks, Fernando. A final quick question. What big developments do you think the project finance community should look out for from, from Central America in the, in, in the next 18 months? I think uh, they will start, they're very eager to finance at the moment all these energy auction processes. The one that is that, that just happened in Guatemala, but a new one is going to be announced in, in, the, in the following months, for example. So the project finance community are really looking into this. Same for Jamaica, this 100 megawatt energy auction. And also a very important message is now the near-shoring effect that uh, the region is benefiting from. This will have a direct impact on the energy demand from all this region. So uh, we are always, I mean, we're seeing this again as a, as a huge opportunity, the near-shoring effect that it will happen not only in Mexico, but the whole Central America uh, and, and the Caribbean region. And obviously, the, this will be something the project finance community will be looking uh, actively at. And it's already happening, actually. All right. Thanks, Fernando. So inevitably, we're running a little over now. Um, but but thank you very much for your little bit more than 20 minutes. Um, keep out, uh, an eye out for new features, as I mentioned, coming in our data offering. Um, we're going to talk a lot more about Latin America at our big uh, Latin America uh, conference, which takes place late February, early March, I think, 2024. Uh, that'll be in Miami. Um, more uh, imminently, uh, there'll be updates from our US power renewables and transition finance event in Austin on the 2nd and 3rd of November. If, for instance, you're wondering what the current strain conditions in the Texas market mean for development there, well, we've only got the CEO of the ERCOT grid giving our conference keynote. Um, that event in general, I think, is going to be hugely informative and hugely fun. Um, please do subscribe to us through any of the most common channels, uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, Podbean, among them, and to keep receiving this every month. But for now, uh, thanks for listening and goodbye.